0: This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who've already created success in their lives and businesses and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. I am so excited for today's guests. Not only is she an outstanding entrepreneur, She's also a friend. Lori Hammond is a professional hypnotist who runs a flourishing online hypnosis business. Lori has worked with clients all over the world since 2017 and has developed a proven blueprint for creating deep, meaningful conversations that spark transformation. Over the past few years, through much trial and error, Lori has discovered simple, effective ways to reach people with her message in a way that makes clients eager to invest with her. She is passionate about equipping others to make a difference in the world, and I'm just so excited that she's come today, and this is going to be a great episode. Wow, Lori, I'm so excited that you've chosen to join us today, and and uh, we're uh, we're building up a great audience, and the idea of being able to to help entrepreneurs on their journey um, to success is is so exciting. So, I just appreciate your willingness to to join me today, and and share your story and experience.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here. This is this is an awesome thing for me.
0: <laughs> Great. So, I guess maybe share a little bit about your journey from from hairdresser to entrepreneur.
1: Okay. So, a few years ago, probably about 5 years ago, I started just feeling like I was at the end of my rope in my battle with my weight. So my weight had fluctuated probably since, if I'm honest, probably since the age of 15, but really fluctuating wildly, like to the tune of um, like 50 to 70 pounds up and then 50 to 70 pounds down. So I was always either out of control, eating way too much or out of control, depriving myself, just out of balance, which is kind of typical for, for people who, are all or nothing perfectionists, which I used to be. (laughs) And I had sought counseling. I had sought therapy. I had read books. I had tried injections and every crazy fad diet under the sun and nothing gave me long-term success. And I felt like I was broken. And I had been listening to this podcast about hypnosis. I can't remember. I think I actually found it because I was looking for help with my weight. And just curiosity, and they would be talking about how effective hypnosis is, and and I remember thinking, it can't really be this easy. There's there's no way. And finally, I got I just w- was desperate enough that I decided I can't control my own mind. I need someone else to control my mind. And I didn't realize at the time that's that's not what it is. <laughs> um, but I went and saw a couple hypnotists, and. It was really hard for me to find a hypnotist who even had their picture up on Facebook, like on their website. And so it's like, I wanna know who I'm gonna be giving my mind control to. Wow. (laughs) Um, So I found two different hypnotists finally. And I did not really click with either one of them. One of them, I saw him three or four times and every time he would be walking out of his office, I would hear him go, And I like to me it sounded like he was just dreading this next appointment. And I thought, I don't like, this isn't what I'm looking for. So um I decided I was gonna learn it myself, which is kind of my personality. Like when I'm curious about something, I just want to go all in and dive deep. And as I was studying hypnosis, it was such a liberating, freeing, peace inducing thing for me. And I realized, because I had been afraid of hypnosis, I I was actually kind of scared, but I was desperate enough for help that I decided to try it anyway. I had, I grew up not even allowed to watch Scooby-Doo because it had hypnosis in it. So when I started learning it, I realized this is the practical application of neuroscience tools. Like this is, this is, underneath this is an understanding of how the brain works how our problems are wired in in the first place, and then just reverse engineering that exact same process to allow people to let go of the problem really quickly. And it was such a liberating, life-changing for, thing for me that I decided to start using hypnosis. And I can tell you the business story underneath that, if you'd like, as well. Absolutely. So about the time, well, a a couple years before I started this search for help with my weight. I mean, it was an ongoing search, but when I started turning to hypnosis a couple years earlier, I had started asking myself, how can I make an excellent living and not trade dollars for hours? Because as a hairstylist, you make money um, depending on how long you're behind the chair with a client, you know, determines how much they pay you. So I'm trading dollars for hours and not have to be location dependent, like not have to be behind the chair to make money. And that's a tall order. A lot of people would say that's impossible. But I I was asking my unconscious and I would have ideas all the time. Like one of my ideas was um, like edgy, stylish compression socks for hairstylists. What if I made socks like that? Because hairstylists are often kind of edgy and, and like on the cutting edge of fashion. And they stand on their feet all day and they don't want varicose veins. So I just wrote all these ideas down. I think when we, when we capture our aha moments, it tells our unconscious mind, keep it, keep it up. And when I started getting my breakthrough with hypnosis, it like all of a sudden, it's like the sky's parted and I realized this is my answer because I can do it over over Zoom, I can do it virtually. It's just as effective and sometimes more because the client is already in a comfortable environment. And I can do it in groups. So no more trading dollars for hours. It's not one-on-one sessions, it's group sessions that I can do with people all around the world and I make an excellent living. So I really think that that our questions determine the quality of our life. It's the the power of a well-phrased question is more important than knowing the answer itself. And I, I'm just so grateful. I'm incredibly grateful for the day that I was brave enough to go and explore hypnosis even though I thought that it was that I was going to be giving someone control of my mind.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate your curiosity, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. curiosity, and that's really yeah. what left, led you to be open to something as radical, yeah. <laughs> as wow. radical as hypnosis. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think there are a lot of misunderstandings about what mm-hmm. hypnosis really is. And and how it really works. Um, I assume most people think of a, a Las Vegas show or yeah. or like you said, somebody, you know, taking control of your, you know, taking control of you and, and using you or abusing you.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So, so how would you describe hypnosis now as a as a practitioner?
1: You know, you and I were having a conversation before this started and there's so many different ways to look at hypnosis and to describe it. If you think of like the formal trance state, it's very similar to meditation or just being deeply relaxed when you first wake up in the morning or when you're just about to fall off to sleep at night. But hypnosis is more of a meditation with a purpose. It's you're really directing, directing, you're setting an intention for a specific outcome. But when you and I were talking earlier, we were talking about some of the, you know, those classic old-timey authors like uh, C.S. Lewis and Wallace Waddles and Napoleon Hill. And I remember reading a Napoleon Hill book years ago. Of course, it was Think and Grow Rich. And he talked about prayer. And he said, when you pray, you want to really be intently thinking about what it is that you want, that positive outcome that you want. And that was kind of an aha moment for me because I was used to praying, Kind of like with this weeping and gnashing of teeth and feeling sorry for myself and asking God, please make this stop. (laughs) And what I've discovered with hypnosis, the the longer I do it, the more I realize that the key to effective hypnosis is helping the client to vividly imagine what life is going to be like when that problem is a thing of the past. And it's really tricky because when I ask them, we call it the magic wand question at the start of the session. Okay. Okay what, what do you want instead? And they'll say, I, well, I want to stop overeating. I want to stop struggling with my weight. I want to stop eating brownies every time I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> and so I'll tell them, okay, when all of that is a thing of the past, what will be there in its place? And they, they look around and they, they think I, I've never really thought about this before. And they'll start to say well i will i'll just feel in control i'll feel comfortable i'll be able to be halfway through a meal and realize i'm satisfied and just push the plate away i'll be able to walk into my closet at the when i'm getting dressed in the morning and realize that all my clothes fit and they're all in the perfect size and i believe that's the moment the transformation happens it's actually it makes my job really easy because when they can start fantasizing and imagining about a positive outcome setting an expectation for how their life is going to be different when they're free. It's, it's this concept of what some people might call faith or belief. So I believe that my job as a hypnotist is to unlock something inside of the client that sparks an idea that what if it can be different? And just that simple planting of that seed as it blossoms and blooms and grows is incredibly transformational. I don't know if that answers your question, well, but that's that's I, my idea of hypnosis. It's vividly imagining what you want.
0: I like it well, and and you use another quote that you know. What if it can be different? But then, what if it's easy?
1: Yes, so and talk, I think talk, that, talk yeah. a little about
0: what if what if it's easy?
1: Yeah, so so often people by one of the reasons I wanted to call myself a hypnotist because there are a lot of practicing hypnotists out there that. Um, you know, call themselves mindfulness practitioners or use a different name. And and really, when it works, I think it's all hypnosis. It happens because of the mechanism I just mentioned. But I wanted to call myself a hypnotist because I believe it attracts people who are at the end of their rope, like I was when I started using hypnosis. And sometimes people come and they just they feel broken and they'll even use that word they think they're broken they feel like they are they're too screwed up they're never going to be okay and one of the hardest things about my job is helping people understand how simple and easy it is and the longer i do this the more people i help and and that doesn't feel right for me to say i help because really what i'm doing is just unlocking their self heat, their self healing, self helping mechanism. But the, the longer I do this, the more simple I realize that it is. And I think it's hard for humans to wrap their brain around that they, they think we have to work, we have to effort when truly it, it can be very easy. And it can be very simple.
0: And fast
1: yeah my my mentor mike mandel tells a story he was a stage hypnotist for every for a very long time and he had a man come up, approach him once before a show and ask if he could book an appointment to help him stop smoking and mike didn't he didn't really like doing smoking cessation sessions and i don't think he did a whole lot of one-on-one so he didn't really want to do it but during the stage show that night the man came up on stage and You know, Mike is making people cluck like chickens and bark like dogs and all of that stuff, which we can talk about how that happens also if you want. Mm -hmm. But this man was up there and at one point in the show, he's in the middle of a sentence and he looked at that man and he said, never smoke again. And then he just went on with the show and didn't really even think anything of it. And several years later, that man came up to him and said, thank you. Thank you for for hypnotizing me to stop smoking. And Mike didn't even remember that happening until he went back and replayed it and realized it was three words, <laughs> three words, and the man never smoked again. And it can, it truly can be that
0: easy. Well, I think especially when the person is, is ready and open, right? Like, cause yeah. that's the first, the first step is, is to prepare them. They yeah. have to really want it first. And so lots of people I think go to a hypnotist, but they they still don't really want to quit smoking or they still don't really want to change their, their business or their limiting beliefs. And and without that want, you know, all the work you do is complicated <laughs> and yeah. hard because the want has to be there. And if the want is there, it can be really simple.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think I was saying the hardest part of my job is helping people understand how simple it can be. And I would say the second hardest part is helping people want to. Because even someone who feels like a sugar addict or a chocolate addict, um, they, they might want to give it up, but they think that it's giving them something positive. They think they're getting something out of having that chocolate every night or eating from bedtime to dinner every night, and they're afraid to let go of it. And that's, you know, with hypnosis, you don't just pull something negative out you replace it with something positive and something even more powerful. And that's why that magic wand question when when this thing is a thing of the past, what will be there in its place? And they don't understand that removing that that debilitating behavior or habit or belief. Actually paves the way for something much more beautiful. And when people start to realize that that life is going to be even better without that problem, it's, it's incredible that the transformations, they become ready for that transformation. So fun. Yeah.
0: And, and I suppose the third, the third hardest thing is convincing them. just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not powerful.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for like, sure.
0: This sounds too easy, but try it.
1: <laughs> yes. And I'll tell It'll them, you know, if, yeah, if you will I'll tell them if you'll use childlike imagination and just play along and follow where I lead. It can't not work if you'll participate. And this is tricky for analytical people. um, I've noticed that hypnosis works even better for, for analytical people when they're willing to just almost like pretend that they're six years old again and and go allow themselves to go back and just get a little silly. We we try so hard to combat our problems and to reverse our frustrations with common sense and with logic and with reasoning and that's the conscious mind trying to solve an unconscious problem and it doesn't work and the fact that people have tried and failed proves that it's an unconscious problem so when people start to employ imagination and metaphor and and getting the the physical body involved or just getting silly and playful it's like all of a sudden you're speaking the language of the unconscious mind you're speaking the language of the part of you that programmed in that problem and it's incredibly liberating
0: yeah, i just love that um because my mom is you know, had experienced alzheimer's and she's in a memory care i've tried to study the brain and and, and want to exercise my brain to avoid those things and and it's interesting how many how many things that the brain can do with imagination like like the memory tools that the simplest memory tools are you know making associations but then exaggerating them you know like crazy so you know a fire hydrants being lifted by balloons and the balloons are being popped by batteries and the batteries are being thrown from a barrel and 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 the crazy that the crazy imagination helps your brain to, to 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 remember a list, and the more creative you can be, the more outlandish you can be in that. Using your childlike imagination, the the more that memory sticks and stays, and and it's crazy to me that we don't tap into that imagination more often. Like, um, you know, our creative side, and you know, Wallace D. Waddle, obviously, is very poignant about the difference between competition and creativity and how so much of our culture is built on, on competition and limit, right? Like competition has a limit. And it's interesting how much his book written almost a hundred years ago compares to Simon Sinek's book on the infinite game, where Simon talks about, you know, all of our businesses now are playing a finite game, right? They're, they're, they're selling their, they're letting their employees go so the stock price stays high. There, there's no long-term loyalty because, because they're thinking about today's numbers and no longer thinking about a legacy, whereas businesses, corporations, especially 100 years ago, were thinking of legacy. And, and, and those leaders that are going to think beyond themselves, beyond you know, what's good for me in this moment, if you can have that future imagination, that future thinking, yeah. So much more powerful, and and of course your your business can be so much mm-hmm. more successful with that abundant and open mindset. And so, wow,
1: yeah.
0: that's pretty exciting. So one of the things I I like to ask is, what has been the value of connection, and how have you mm-hmm. used connections to to build <sighs> and grow your business?
1: That is such a great question. I don't know if anyone's asked me that before, and. I might get emotional talking about this because that's been another beautiful lesson in my journey. So I was I was married for 15 years and I was a super introverted stay home mom that homeschooled my kids. The only time I really interacted with people was for like weekly church functions. Wow. And I really I kind of. I I kind of grew up as a loner, honestly, And when I started studying business, so I mentioned that I started, you know, thinking about how can I make an excellent living? So I started listening to podcasts and reading books from people who have been successful entrepreneurs, because, you know, if we find someone who's doing it right and, and copy or model what they're doing, our chance of success skyrockets. So that one thing I heard over and over and over is your network is your net worth. And I, I, I kind of pushed it away, but I heard it so many times and I thought, okay, Lori, you, you decided that you were going to, you know, do what these people tell you. So I just started kind of putting myself out there and connecting with people. And what you mentioned about Wallace D waddles talking about competition versus creativity that went straight into my heart and, and it didn't totally make sense for me at first, but the more I operate my life on that principle, the more my career skyrockets and I never realized how much joy it would give me to see others prospering in their business. But I, so I just I'm trying to go decide where to go. But um, I was super private on Facebook. My account was was hidden. You couldn't even find me unless we had mutual friends. All my entire newsfeed was private. And when I decided to do to go into this business, I knew I was going to have to put myself out there. I knew that. For me, looking for a hypnotist, when I couldn't even find someone with a picture up, it didn't make me want to connect with them. And so I knew I needed to show people who I was so they knew that they could trust me with their subconscious mind. So I just started connecting with other hypnotists. I knew that other hypnotists were like this open-hearted, loving, just incredible group of people who have this hope and this belief that life can be better. So I started fr- sending friend requests. I don't think I'd ever sent a friend request. I would accept wow. someone else's if it was someone I knew. But all of a sudden, I started putting my friend requests out there, and then I started making videos, and um, people started seeing my videos and and interacting with me. And now I I have made friends with many of the top hypnotists in the world, and it is so, it is so gratifying, Robert. I like. And you and I, we met at a networking, you're one of my, my few in-person friends that I've interacted with in person because we met at a networking event. And I had mentioned at the start of this, my friendship with you is one of the coolest things that has come of that. Just getting around like-minded people and you especially, because I know you're someone who believes that people can do better, can have more, can live in abundant purpose-filled, amazing life. And you exemplify that and you have helped me come up higher. And it's just, I think that relationships and connecting with people and replacing that competition mindset with creativity. Um, One of my friends, Jason Lynette says, a rising tide raises all ships. And I know that's not an original Jason Lynette (laughs) quote, but he said it so many times I associated with him. And I really think it's true. I think when we let go of the idea of Trying to do better than so and so, and we start lifting so and so up. It actually lifts us up as well.
0: Well, and, and that abundant mindset—you really, for for you and I, who came from nothing, right? Our families didn't have anything, and, and yeah. struggled, and 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 even being in in the church and in ministry, there was a lot of um, uh, poverty mindset, like like you know, we don't have enough. There won't be enough. There's, there's all this, this limit. And that plays to to the idea of competition. You know, you see somebody driving that car that's on your vision board and, and a limitation mind looks at that and says, oh, look what he's got versus an abundant mind looks at that and says, wow, it's possible. Like, man, I'm so happy that they got that car because I know how cool it is. Right. And, yes. and and that's the transition that has to happen. Right. When we're walking, walking every day, it just, you know, seeing the abundance around us and recognizing that we were created to live among abundance and the trees and the leaves, you know, if if you have concerns about whether or not there's abundance, go count the leaves on one tree, just one, <laughs> go count the stars. You know, yeah. if you can get to a dark place, like Abundance absolutely exists and, and we were created to experience it. And yeah. whether that's money or relationships or but but you you have to have an openness to that. And and I think that's that creativity that Wallace D. Waddles talks about. And that creativity is is really replacing our analytical mind with our imagination more often than not. Yeah. And I think when we transition from children to adulthood, we the opposite happens, right? Our analytical mind takes over and says, nope, that's not true, nope, that's not true, nope, that's not true, nope, you can't imagine that, nope. You know, one of my, my favorite movies um, is Robin Williams in Hook because it wrestles with that order between reality and imagination. And, and he spends so much time in that movie with, you know, the, the game's not working or the thing's not working because his imagination is stuck. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. and then it and then it gets cleared out, right? And he can he can throw this fake ball and all of a sudden you know, the pieces start to come together. And, and and for me that that's just an example of what can happen when somebody's somebody figures it out, right? Like one of my previous guests said they get it, right? When entrepreneurs get it, it yeah. changes everything.
1: Yeah. Like
0: like you'll never go get another job. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: You'll never get another job. No. You're, not, you're not employable because, yep. because, you know, you know, the world is different and,
1: yeah.
0: and you know that, you know what, if I need an extra $10,000 next weekend, I can run a workshop. I can, I can sell this, this class or online course, or, you know, that you know that there's tools you have in your toolbox that you can pull out for that emergency, but you also know that you can maintain a living by adding value to other people. And, yeah and I think once you get it, there's, there is no undoing it, right? There is sure we fall back in our mindset, you know, we might get negative here or there and, or down and, on this thing, but there's so much good. Like, uh, David Goggins talks about the cookie jar, right? You put all those victories and medals and successes and compliments and, and things your clients have said in the cookie jar. Yeah. And when you get those down moments, whew, yep. <laughs> pull, pull one of those out. So,
1: yeah. And I do I do that. I have a testimonial file that when when I'm feeling I call it my imposter monster, when my imposter monster is screaming in my ear and say, you can't do this. You should just go back to being a hairstylist. I'll pull out those testimonials and see the lives that have changed because I've put myself out there, even though it's really scary. And, Robert, a moment ago, you mentioned, you know, that negative voice that's saying you can't do this, you can't do this. And I, you had asked me earlier about what is hypnosis. And I really believe that that negative voice that's telling us we can't do it, that was often installed when we were before, like before the age of seven years old because we saw our parents talking to themselves that, that way or maybe one of our teachers said something. Like all of that was modeled. That's just someone else's belief anyway. And we've repeated it to ourselves so many times that we're starting to believe it's true. What if it's not? What if it's not true? What if you just need to step outside the matrix for a minute and and take a new perspective?
0: Yeah, that's such a great, such a great question. Like, like I think the way to trip up the unconscious when it's when that voice is not saying something that's true, or in that voice is saying something um that doesn't align with your vibration, doesn't align isn't in harmony with where you're going, that's the place where you say, wait, what? you know, and you ask that you ask a question because that trips up the subconscious loves questions and gets distracted by them. So, so asking that question to say, wait, why, why do you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> like, where did that come from? Yeah. How can that be true? Right. Um, you, you recommended a book and, and I, I don't know, just identified when I listened to it, um, Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, I think. Yes. And, uh, his first two chapters he talks about that voice like as if it's this I mean I almost picture it as Daffy Duck and, and, and uh, Bugs Bunny on your shoulders just going at each other and and no no purpose, neither one is on your side necessarily. They're, they, they're just in your head to keep on talking. That's their goal is to just keep on talking, which is the power of meditation because that's that's the place where you know you can quiet those voices. <laughs> or okay. direct them. And then, and then I think realizing that those voices aren't you yeah, and, and, and separating yourself from those voices, like you said, step outside the matrix and actually can watch those voices, have this conversation and, and argument and realize, well, they're, they're playing both sides. So which side is right? Like, we, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and you recognize that I'm the thinker of those voices. I have control over them. And yeah. I can make that voice say, hello. Oh, wow, look at that. And and I can take over, right? Like I'm yeah. in charge. Instead of the voices being in charge of me, I'm in charge of the voices. And that's a huge shift. Like for most people, they spend their whole life letting those voices be in charge. And uh, so that Untethered Soul was was an eye opener for me and just just really more empowering on the brain's capability, which is why even with my faith background, I was fascinated by hypnosis and, and NLP, and you know not not for manipulation, but for for really seeing it as another tool to to work with the brain and and of course much of my work comes from a counseling background now to coaching, now to you know helping people see those <laughs> see those voices in a different way. It's it's all very aligned and yeah. I found it very consistent. Um, I will share with you, though, that my first hypnosis experience um, when I was in the Marine Corps, I was a manager of a Marine Corps exchange. that's a little like their 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven store, basically. And when I transferred out, the employees who were all civilians hosted a going away party, like a goodbye party for me, and they hired a hypnotist that that came in and and made me dance with a mop so um (laughs) and i say i say made me because obviously i had to be involved and be willing so apparently my 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 willingness to be involved was was definitely uh a factor in my dancing with a mop in front of everybody but uh apparently I was pretty good. I don't know.
1: That's amazing. Well, before we, before we started recording, you had mentioned how important belief is in this process. And sometimes clients will come in and they don't have that belief. So I have ways to help them step in. But you know, when you look at a stage show and you look at people clucking like chickens and barking like dogs or rapping in a foreign language that they don't really know, or dancing with mops, it's because they got up on stage or they, you know, they have this belief that this person is going to make them do something and that belief in place is is what allows their unconscious mind to start getting on board and vividly imagining an outcome vividly imagining that you can be a rapper on stage rapping in another language gives you the ability to do it and it's just it it's that same mechanism is underneath all of it
0: yeah it's it's impressive because like i I was aware, but felt like I'd given over control. And yeah. so, <laughs> and, yeah. and of course it was innocent and it was, but, um, and, and that's for me, I never felt like hypnosis was a threat. Like, you know, I mean, alcohol was a bigger threat to my my brain and my control than, right. <laughs> than hypnosis ever was. So, right. You know, if I'm willing to give it over to alcohol for those all those years, I think I can <laughs> trust the hypnosis for thirty minutes, but yeah, um, very good. So what uh, obviously you shared a little bit about your motivation? Obviously, from very early on, you you envisioned that dream of you know exchanging, getting rid of dollars for hours and the ability to run your business from anywhere. And obviously planting those two seeds um in your subconscious so early on has definitely allowed your subconscious to lay a pathway for you i mean that that manifestation is so powerful um but what else have you used for for motivation to keep you keep you moving
1: <laughs> yeah i mean if i'm if i'm really honest this story goes way back into early childhood um i i had a very unhappy to difficult childhood and i remember just being very, very depressed, even as a small child, and, and really feeling hopeless. And we had, my my sister and I went to a day, this in-home daycare. And every day, all the little kids would nap, and the big kids, which meant like five, six years old, probably maybe eight, um, we got to stay up and watch old reruns. And I would watch Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman, like watching Wonder Woman was probably the highlight of my life at that time. And the reason is because it gave me hope. Like when you're before the age of seven, you're you're in hypnosis because the prefrontal cortex of the brain hasn't formed enough for you to be able to discern. I can't really jump up to the top of a building in in a single bound. I can't really take a magic lasso and put it around someone and make them tell the truth and make them all of a sudden forget the negative experience. And so there was this little girl part of me that thought, I am going to grow up and be Wonder Woman, and I'm going to learn how to get rid of this sadness and this feeling of brokenness and this feeling of hopelessness. And I'm going to share it with as many people as possible. And I would I remember going home one night and making myself like Wonder Woman armbands and a Wonder Woman headband and I I wrote Wonder Woman on one of my t-shirts and I went and looked in the mirror and it was backwards and I thought I I remember just sitting there thinking did I do something wrong or is this reversed and so I went and I redid it and I wrote it backwards so that when I looked in the mirror it would be forwards <laughs> but ever since i was a little girl i absolutely knew that i wanted my life to be about understanding how people could step out of their paradigm and step out of the hypnotic trance that says life has to be terrible and hopeless and help them step into a new reality and create their life with purpose and just to choose their own adventure so if you know if you're asking what my ultimate motivation is it's it's knowing that not even it feels really arrogant and almost really humbling to say I can make a difference in the world, but I can at least guide people to make a difference in their own world. And that's so gratifying. And you had mentioned earlier, you know, if I want to make $10,000 in a weekend, I can just put some things together and I'll say, I did this last weekend. I, I put together a group weight loss hypnosis program. And this, to me, this was my wonder woman moment because I know how how debilitating it can be to struggle with food, to put your life on hold and your happiness on hold until you're a certain size, to feel trapped by your, by your cravings. And I had 78 people sign up for that. So 78 people, two hours, and I made $10,000. And when I got off that call, I was on a high that had nothing to do with the money in my account. It had to do with the people that I saw on that call who got emotional, who lit up, who had aha moments, who realized it's a, it can be as easy as never overeat again. And it you know, for me the money is a just really awesome perk and side effect that indicates a deeper thing that's happening as a more profound life-changing thing that's happening that is so much cooler than having a nine to five.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, yeah. and prosperous coach, they, they use that quote that talks about, you know, basically the amount of money, your your net worth is a direct refresh reflection of your net impact. Yeah. And so by making an impact, you're worthy of, of your reward. And so that's so exciting. And 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 I know absolutely that because I know you that that you are all about the life change that you are all about helping people first and that's why the value that you're giving is far exceeds any amount of money that that you're charging people so um, mm-hmm. that's so exciting and I and I know that that industry is ripping people off constantly
1: <laughs> <laughs> the weight loss industry <laughs> yeah to
0: yeah. the tune of, to the tune of billions and billions of dollars just yeah. in you know. Just in the fake the fake uh, they're not medicines because they fall under the other category but
1: like <laughs> supplements and supplement yeah and that-, that
0: supplement industry because there's no regulation and there's no nobody's checking to see what they're putting in them and so yeah what a what a crock <laughs> and, yeah. and really they're trying to use hypnosis. They're trying to convince you in their commercial that it'll do what it says it does, so that mm-hmm. so that they get the placebo effect, and that's enough enough success rates that that they can justify keep on selling it. Um, and that that's heartbreaking to me because I know what you offer is true life change and and permanent. And so and yeah. maybe needs a little refresh here and there, but for the most part, can be very permanent for people that are willing to let it stay. Yeah, so that's so. Sure. What a and what a great what a great why like, you know, when I read Jim Quick's book Limitless and his his love of comic books is what allowed him to read and then, as a child, searching riding his bicycle around his neighborhood searching for the X Men's school nice. um, is so so and then and then to see that come full circle, to to him actually getting to work not just not just visit the set, but actually work with all of the X-Men on the set and and have that class picture that he took. Um, just so I mean that's a manifestation that, yeah. that that he lived and he shares you know in his book. Um, so, so, so thanks for sharing that Wonder Woman because that really is a manifestation of, of your desire as a child to, to mm-hmm. make a difference in the world and, and what a great difference you're making. Thank you so many people. I'm grateful. And, and and I'm so excited to see how, how not only have you embraced that, I mean, I think your business has grown beyond your, your niche, right? Your niche is actually shifting because of the the number of people coming in your audience that that are being served by your experience. Um,
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, There's this idea of of having a plan and knowing what you want to do and sticking to the plan. And I think that there's also tremendous power in having a desired outcome, like really vividly imagining what it is that you want, where you want to be. And I knew that I that I wanted to touch a lot of people and impact a lot of people. And I never in a million years would have ever thought (laughs) that I would be shifting into into the the niche if you will that I'm in now, which I'm, I'm kind of I have one foot in each one is I really have a heart for people helping people with weight loss. but because I mentioned earlier I started just friending hypnotists on Facebook. I have 5,000 Facebook friends now and most of them are hypnotists. So when I put a video out there talking about what I'm doing, hypnotists see that and I I get messages every day saying, I want to do what you're doing, but and there's like always some limiting belief after after it. And so I started just talking to people about overcoming imposter syndrome and starting to put yourself out there and starting to use your tools and not feeling like you have to have arrived and be perfect before you start helping others. So I now have a monthly I don't talk about this a whole lot. You know about it. <laughs> You're there, but I have a group of about a hundred other hypnotists and and like-minded people, coaches, who are in that group just to get tools that allow them to move forward in their business. Because um, there's some statistics out there about hypnotists who complete their certification and they have the tools, but they're not making enough. They're not making a living. And I want to break that mold and I want to equip people to not only make a living, but to absolutely thrive because that, you know, that that balance in your bank account is a reflection of the difference you're making in the world. So that's something that I I actually have somewhat reluctantly stepped into. But now that I have done it, it's so gratifying because I know, you know, I can maybe what if I had a thousand people on one of those calls and I did that. 12 times a month, that's 12,000 people that I've reached. But if I can help a hundred other hypnotists or even a thousand other hypnotists to each reach a thousand people, that's, that's me stepping even more into that wonder woman role.
0: <laughs> well, how exciting that you see that as, as part of that role and part of that vision and, yeah. and, uh, and, and, growing your business organically because, because of the audience that you've attracted. Um, that's, that's so exciting. You, we kind of glossed over, but you mentioned the imposter monster. So, so let's talk about how you've used that um, imposter monster for, for building an audience Yeah, and serving them.
1: <laughs> so I, I started my career as a hypnotist four years ago, which is not all that long ago. I'm kind of a baby hypnotist, but I knew that I had to put myself out there if I wanted to, to make it big. And so I started putting myself out there, even though I was scared, even though I thought I don't have anything original to say, anything I share, I have learned from Mike Mandel or Melissa Tears or these other teachers. And I just, Mike Mandel told me, you have to just show up with prestige. You have to step into the the role, essentially. Some people would call it faking it till you make it. And I take issue with that because if you read Todd Herman's, The Alter Ego Effect, He talks about stepping into an alter ego so I could step into Wonder Woman. And it might seem like I'm faking being Wonder Woman. But what I'm actually doing is unlocking an attribute that is lying dormant inside me. If you can fake it, it is an aspect of your personality. So I started stepping into confidence, even though I was like this little wallflower who had tried to be invisible most of my life. And people saw me doing it. So they reached out and said, how can I do what you're doing? And this happens so often that I I actually was invited to speak at the um, UK hypnosis convention in 2020. And they yeah. asked me what I wanted my topic to be. And I said, it's going to be slay the imposter monster. And I've said, since iterated to say silence the imposter monster. But it's because I knew this is a huge issue with hypnotists feeling like imposters. And and it's so easy. We're like, it can it really be this easy, even though we're the ones doing it? Um,
0: Physician, heal thyself.
1: Yes. So I had, I had scheduled to have that talk and then COVID came along and that conference was canceled. And I thought, I'm going to do this as a podcast. I have to get this message out there. And so I kind of spontaneously, um, recorded my first podcast. It was with Stephen Blake, an incredible hypnotist who has changed many, many lives. And he and I just sat down and talked for a couple hours, and I threw it up as a podcast, and the rest is history. And so now I've interviewed some of the top hypnotists in the world, the biggest movers and shakers, as well as just, I don't want to say just, as well as, you know, women who have just an in-person practice where they work one-on-one and they're making an excellent living on referral you know all their clients come to them through referrals they're as busy as they want to be some of them even busier just helping people understand okay if the top hypnotists in the world are struggling with imposter syndrome and they're doing it anyway then i can do it too so i'm on a mission to equip people to and and we never do silence our imposter monster in real life. He's always going to be there, whispering in our ear. But when you, for me, it's just it's looking and saying, "Okay, I hear you." Okay, and then just doing it anyway.
0: Right. Yeah. That we, you and I have both referenced in the past the the Tim Ferriss podcast when he interviews Hugh Jackman, and and you hear Hugh Jackman talking about the Greatest Showman and and the imposter monster. You know, yeah. even even him dealing with the imposter monster every day as an actor after he's had so many successes and um, he, he deals with some, some really great stuff. And of course the director was manifesting that this is going to be the greatest movie ever. And, and he was like, you've never even directed before. What are you talking about? like <laughs> yeah And, and never gave up on that. And it's such a great, a great podcast. Cause it's, it's so, I mean, there's just freedom in that recognizing that, everybody's got that voice you just have to learn how to how to wrangle it right like yeah. <laughs> he never really shuts up but if you if you don't give him control anymore then, then he starts to get a little quieter
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Or, or he yeah it's like
1: it's almost like you start to make friends with him I heard Elizabeth Gilbert describe it she and she calls it fear um, and she says it's still it's always going to be around and when she first said this it kind of irked me. I thought, no, I'm going to get rid of it. She said, but it's, it's in the back seat and it's trying to tell you how to drive, but you get to a point where you kind of look at it in the rear view mirror and say, I hear you. And then just go the way you're going to go anyway. And it's, you know, I think because I was listening to so many podcasts and studying entrepreneurs, I knew that Richard Branson deals with this. Tim Ferriss deals with this. Like, um, Oh, I just blinked on his name. The guy that created Tom's Blake, Blake, my anyway, you know, all these people, they, they have this fear, they have this imposter syndrome, they have this, this scary, what if, but they're doing it anyway. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, it's great to know that you're the same, right? Like, I think the voice, especially coming from a a faith background, like I have the the voice, I consider the, the negative side of the voice, is trying to distract you from, from your truth, right? The negative side is trying to, trying to pull you, you know, some people would call it temptation, right? Like, and, and not that, I mean, obviously there's just temptations out there, but anytime that voice can justify that and, and, and pull you off once again, and I said Donald Duck and, and Bugs Bunny arguing, but then you could you could picture the little good angel and the bad angel, right? Just, just, mm-hmm. just duking it out on on your shoulders, and and you feel like, oh, you know, yeah. which one do I listen to? Yeah. <laughs> right. And and it's and it's crazy, like that. We're not equipped or told what to do with those voices. We're not equipped or told, you know, which to believe. Um, nobody's teaching that, right? Nobody's nobody's telling kids, you know, there's going to be this voice in your head, and it's going to mess with you, right? Now, now you can either learn, you know, to harness it and and teach it to believe in you, or or you can just do what the bad one says and you know get in trouble all the time, right? Like, yeah, yeah. at some point, why why aren't we teaching that to to, yeah. to kids? And of course, that's a big part of what you and I both do in helping entrepreneurs and helping hypnotists and, and you know coaches build their businesses. Is is helping them, you know, harness that the power of their subconscious. Um, and, and you know, we talk about manifestation, the power of your imagination, um, both in the moment, but in also in recognizing and replacing those limiting beliefs um, that we get stuck with, right? And rooting all those out. Um, so I'm glad that parents haven't figured that out yet because it gives you and I plenty of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of opportunity to add value yeah. to folks. So, yeah.
1: Well, can I share, because it's so quick and easy, something, I cannot remember who shared this with me, but recently someone showed me a little hack that you can do to to basically check in with that part of you that knows the things you don't realize you know, that knows the right answer.
0: That'd be and, awesome.
1: Uh, well, I call it heart gazing. So if okay. you basically look down at your heart space and just imagine that you're looking right into your heart. And you just ask that question that you've been searching for the answer for just, you know, what should I do in this situation? What's the right the right path to take? It's like you intuitively know the answer. It's almost like you feel it bubbling up inside. And one of the most amazing things is the part of you that gives you the answer is also the part of you that equips you to carry it out. And so you know that if you got that certain answer that you have the ability to, to carry it out and the ability to do it. And So I just shared this on my weight loss call last week. If you're thinking, okay, is it okay for me to have this like half a cheesecake at the end of my meal? Or should I have this this thing or this thing? Or how much should I eat? You can literally just look into your heart and ask your intuition and know that if it says you don't need that cheesecake, like you're going to be so much better off without it that the part of you that gives you that answer is the part of you that makes it easy for you to just push the cheesecake away. Nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I shared today on Facebook, just, just did a real quick live and talked about one of my favorite roles or the title I keep wanting to give myself since I'm the CEO and president and I can be anything I want to be in my company is the dream recovery specialist. Ooh. And, and and everybody's uh, you know, somebody told me, oh, all you'll attract is MLMs or whatever. But, (laughs) but for me, the idea of being a dream recovery specialist is anytime we get that dream or that idea, like even the idea you had for the, the socks, that'll help. Yeah. You know, help stylists stand up longer all day long. There's a part in our brain that automatically kills it. Like it says, Oh no, that's not for you. Oh no. But if you received it, if you were on the vibration to receive that dream, you're fully resourced and equipped to carry it out. And, and so I love the way that you worded that same, that same idea, right? I, I believe that God, for me, God, for some, it might just be the universe, our connection, you know, Napoleon Hill, it's the ether. Um, Wallace D. Waddles calls it all kinds of different stuff (laughs) because, because he can't decide if he's mad at the church or not. (laughs) If you understand when he wrote the book, you, you, you'll understand, but he, he gives God credit in one chapter and then the rest of the chapters, it's just this this great thing greater than all of us, right? But the universe doesn't, you can't get on the vibration of that idea unless it's right for you, unless you're the one that has the capability, the resources. And no, you might not know how to make it all into a business and how to make it all happen instantaneously, but you're equipped to make it happen. I um, mean, you've got the relationships and the resources and and everything that might be necessary. So don't kill it, right? Yes. I loved what you said earlier. Was like write them down, because yes. writing them down allows more and more to come, and then you start to recognize. Look, I'm an idea receiver. Yeah, I can't carry out all these ideas that I get, but I've been mentoring these other ten people, and and I can pass on ideas that they're capable of, and they're 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 able to to activate and use those ideas. It's really great to get so many ideas that you got to sort them out and say, "Was well, this one for me? Does this one match my vision and my future? Oh, no, this one's for someone else. And I can yeah. save it and pass those on to others. And so, yeah, Dream Recovery Specialist, that's my-
1: I answer. love that. My vote, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome.
0: Yeah, we'll put that as the sub. That'll be my second job. 2nd I'll, I'll have two sets of business cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even though I haven't given out a business card in like a year and a half. but
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't own, I don't even have business cards.
0: <laughs> I just have the leftovers. I Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's,
0: uh, that's funny. So you've talked a little bit about your confidence and the things that, that have bolstered you. But what's been the biggest thing that brought little Lori out of, out of the kitchen and into yeah. the limelight
1: you know when i when i think about this scared little wallflower who decided to just do it even though i thought that i was a fraud and even though i thought that i was just faking it i believe that action can pre- needs to often needs to precede belief you have to do it before you believe it you have to do it before you're ready and I think for me, the willingness to do that is really helpful. I remember listening to Tim Ferriss' podcast and him talking about, I can't remember what he called him, and I haven't heard him talk about it in a while, but he would do stuff that was really uncomfortable that people would make fun of him for, just so he could realize it's okay for people to make fun of me. And he, oh, gives nice. the, yeah, he gives the example of getting off a bus and just laying down on the sidewalk and just laying there and people looking at him and like wondering what the heck is wrong with him. And he just lets himself feel discomfort and do it anyway. And that visual equipped me to start making videos and start doing things that I was like, I never in a million years would think I had the guts to do. And so it's, I think the one thing, and this is actually the secondary thing. I'm gonna tell you the first thing in in a moment, but one of the biggest things that's made a difference for me is a willingness to do it afraid a willingness to do it, knowing that some people are going to think I'm an idiot and some people do (laughs) Um, and to do it anyway, because when I look at those testimonials, those mean so much more to me than the people who think I'm an idiot. But honestly, Robert, the biggest lesson, the biggest thing that I have learned in all of this, and I shared this on my weight loss call, I said, you want to know the one thing that makes a difference for people, the thing that actually lets them permanently lose weight and the thing that has let me that has been the most transformational in my life is getting to a place where I can love myself and getting to a place where I can stop beating myself up and telling myself I'm stupid and that I had a zit in that video and that I said the wrong word in that video and like just being mean to myself all the time and replacing that with kindness and speaking to myself the way I would talk to my little granddaughter when, you know, if she does something that she's not supposed to do, just being kind to myself has equipped me to keep going when the going gets tough and in my weight loss journey it i believe that self-love is the antidote to guilt and shame and blame because when we're feeling guilty for things that we have done whether it's in our entrepreneurial on our entrepreneurial journey or our weight loss journey or our stop smoking or stop drinking journey every time we beat ourselves up we are hypnotizing ourselves to keep doing the same thing over and over because Mm -hmm. the unconscious mind gives you more of what you focus on. And when you're focusing on where you've screwed up, you are destining, destining yourself to keep screwing up.
0: Self-fulfilling processing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. So one of the books that I teach through of course is, is James Allen and, and you know, as a man thinketh and he he very clearly addresses that, that idea of, of love. And, and I believe that, that the highest vibration, right, the highest level of character, if you would call it um, interacting in the world, right, interacting with other people is what I consider your character, right? Your character is how you represent yourself in the world. And, and I think the highest level is love and and of course god's level is unconditional love which you know we we aspire to of course but hardly get there and you can see you know 2020 was like an exaggeration of of emotion and you could see how so much hate was exaggerated and so much victimhood was multiplied and and of course we as entrepreneurs you can't you can't build a business down there you can't build a business below the line of courage what we call you know, the line where I take responsibility, right? That's below that is the victim, the person looking for the handout, the person that believes God hates them, the person that believes the world's against them. Fate fate has doomed them to to, to what they've got, right? And then the line of courage is saying, I'm responsible. I'm taking responsibility. Now that first level is really selfish, right? Because they're stuck. Me, me, me. I, I got to do it all. I got to do it all. But when you start to recognize the higher levels where it's about taking care of other people, serving other people. Like Zig Ziglar would say, you know, you can, you can make a fortune by just helping people get what they want. Yep. Right. And and so that's, that's where you start to understand love and you start to understand the value of putting yourself into other people. And of course, as you mentioned before the call, it's really hard to love somebody else if you don't know how to love yourself. Yeah. And so I know that was a hard journey for you to to go from feeling loved by the world and, and by those around you. And of course, not knowing how much that impacted your love of yourself. And yeah. so thank you for sharing that um, because I do believe that you have to, you have to love yourself to believe in yourself at all, to even have a spark of possibility.
1: Yeah. And that's another one of those things where, action precedes belief. So even if you don't believe that you can love yourself or perhaps don't believe that you're worthy of love, I'll I'll direct people to, you know, every night when you're brushing your teeth, take a moment to make eye contact with yourself in the mirror. And it's going to feel so awkward. You are going to feel like such a weirdo, but look yourself in the eye and say, I love you. And you can even say, I love me. And you can say, thank you. And you can even just say, "I see you," but just start starting to look at yourself in kindness. it starts to gently and subtly reprogram your unconscious mind so that pretty soon you realize you actually mean it. You might not have meant it at first, so it's it's okay to do it before you feel it because the feeling will follow the action
0: nice there's a there's a book I just read that a guy went and stayed on an island and and that was his that was what he started his message. It was last year that I read it, so I don't even remember if it's in my Kindle or I was going to try to look <laughs> to see if I could remember. But basically the whole book is is chapter after chapter of him figuring out ways to tell himself that he loved himself.
1: <laughs> what, this wasn't um, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It by Navajo all the time.
0: It, it might have been.
1: If you think of it, I would love to hear. But I that one that Naval Ravikant is an excellent. That's one of the first things that helped me step into this self love journey.
0: I just have to remember my problem now is I have my books are split between uh, Kindle and Audible.
1: Yep, I have that yeah. problem too, and I have a bunch of books on my brother's Kindle, so I'm I have two different usernames. That I love. Oh, nice!
0: That definitely could make it more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I really love that ability to love yourself and and know you know know that know that you add value right and and you're being rewarded for adding value and 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 it really it it's funny because the people that talk about the money and and ask you you know would you do it for free and would you are the people that don't have money right you know well how could you charge for that you know and that was a very challenging transition because as a pastor i was being paid a salary and and i didn't I didn't charge for counseling, and I didn't charge for for helping people, you know pull their heads out of their rear ends. you know, and and so to transition to saying, no, you, I need to be paid for this. and And in the church, I was being paid because people were tithing and giving to the church, but the person giving didn't the person receiving the benefit didn't necessarily. It wasn't a direct correlation. And I've found in my coaching business, especially through Covid, that when things transitioned, that the people that were paying valued the service far more and got far more benefit out of it. And so um, being able to charge higher and higher prices actually increases the appear the appeared value. The-
1: yeah, I think we do a disservice when we undercharge or don't charge. We actually are robbing that person of the transformation they, they seek. There's this law of reciprocity that says, you know, if I give you something, you give me something in return. And when we give someone something and don't ask for anything in return, we uh, we actually. Prohibit them from utilizing the things we taught them, because there's this unconscious underlying kind of sense of guilt, like I didn't pay for this, so I'm not going to use it. Mm -hmm. And as a hairstylist, you know, I started um, at the very bottom of the barrel, I was a brand new we called it alpha. There were five levels of hairstylists. It was at a high-end salon. And when I was an alpha hairstylist charging 20 bucks for my haircuts, I attracted the most high maintenance, unhappy clients who always (laughs) wanted their haircut fixed, even though I was very well trained and had apprenticed with masters. And as I moved up, I noticed that each level I moved up, I attracted more high caliber people who, who enjoyed my service, who, when I was a master hairstylist charging $60 for my haircut, those people were booking out their next two appointments. They, they were very happy with what I did. They were pleasing to be around. They trusted my recommendations. And it's the same thing as a hypnotist or as a coach. Really anything you do, I, you know, I think about when I had Lasik surgery on my eyes I went and looked for the most expensive, prestigious surgeon in in the area and even traveled a little ways to get there. I I paid the highest price to get my eyes LASIK that there that I could find because that that dollar amount reflects the value that a person is giving. And I really think we're doing others and ourselves a disservice by not charging a rate that's worthy of the value we're giving someone.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And And yeah, in learning that lesson and being able to just help people, um, you know, if, if this is important to you, you'll, you'll figure out how to pay for it. (laughs) And, and by investing in it, you'll get so much more out of it.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's, that's so, so clear, right? Like and the prosperous coach talked about called, I mean, they call it creating clients, right? Not just. Not just identifying who your ideal client is, but actually their characteristics, and and they talk about characteristics like you just did, like, you know, they're they're go getters, they're they're well off, you know, they're they've already been successful in in these areas, um, and I feel like you know folks when they're starting out, and of course all of us face that moment in the beginning of our business. It's like, I need cash flow. And, and, you know, I'll coach anybody, I'll help anybody, you know, oh, you want smoking cessation? Oh, I can help you stop drinking. I can help you with that knee pain. I can help you. With, right? yeah. and, and you try to do everything. And, and each one of them is paying you 15 bucks rather than the one weight loss client. You say, you know what? My services are a thousand dollars, but I promise you'll get the result that you want. Yeah. You'll get that transformation that you want.
1: Yeah.
0: And cause that's really what we're offering is transformation. Um, not all businesses, not all entrepreneurs offer transformation in that same way, um, but everybody offers value, right? Like you pay the mechanic to fix your car, you pay the carpet cleaner to clean your carpets because because you want something different, something done differently. Uh, and so, yeah, make sure you're willing to charge,
1: <laughs> charge yeah. for
0: your services, charge what you're worth.
1: Even um, if it's you- uncomfortable at first, do it before you're ready.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And uh, I think you know, the, the big piece um, is there's a place for contribution, right? There's a place for, you know, doing pro bono. Yes. Um, but if you're doing pro bono in the beginning, uh, uh, you know, just to get the experience, make sure you're getting good experience, <laughs>
1: right? Like, great point. Like, yeah. like
0: you're not, you're not cutting, you're not doing Bobby cuts on <laughs> little <laughs> old ladies that don't challenge you at all.
1: Yeah. Right? And one <laughs> thing I learned early on, because I, I really wanted to work in groups. And I, I was determined that I would make sure it really worked in groups. And I now know it works even better in groups, but I didn't know that at first. And so I, I put out a call to action and said, who wants eight weeks of group hypnosis sessions? It will change your life. And I think I had something like 50 people, maybe 60 people respond and say yes. And I said, okay, if you wanna do this, you need to fill out this intake form you need to give me your Myers-Briggs personality type, and you need to give me a handwriting sample. So it was basically an hour of work that they had to invest. And of those 60 people, about 20 of them actually did it. But because they had to pay me with their time and they had to invest their heart and soul into getting into the group, most of them stayed for the entire eight weeks. And I got to validate that this works amazingly well in groups. I really think better because you get this like community support system that is better than anything I can give a person one on one. So make them invest something. Like make them jump through a hoop.
0: Yeah, I love that. You and I are you and I are in the same boat because I started out thinking I'd be this consultant and doing more one on ones or or consulting for corporations, and I really found um, that I loved groups and and I love coaching entrepreneurs in groups. And, and by bringing a group of 10 entrepreneurs together, they really becomes a mastermind, right? It's really applying Napoleon Hill's you know, tools I'm facilitating and, and responsible, I guess, but, but truly the group is, is helping themselves in yeah. a lot of things. And, and of course, yeah, there, there's just so much power in, in the vibration of bringing 10 people together, even through electronics, even through yes. the,
1: yeah.
0: So, Absolutely. So you've obviously you've used mentors and you understand the value of mentors and now you're, you're mentoring. Tell me what mentoring has meant in, in your process.
1: It, it means everything to me. If I, if I had been doing this blindly, just trying to figure it out as I go, I would be so I probably would have given up long ago. And for me, one of those, those biggest mentoring, one of the mentors that has impacted my life the most was actually the owner of my salon where I worked, you know, having been a stay home -home mom for 15 years. I had no self-esteem. I couldn't even make eye contact with people. I just had this deep shame mentality. And this, this man, his name is Gilles Merm and he's a, he's a Frenchman who is just a very successful entrepreneurial businessman. And, there were 60 people employed at this very large high-end salon and he would walk past me in the hall and make eye contact with me and, and address me by name. And I remember thinking, how does he even know who I am? And then I would be walking through the break room and he would say, Lori, sit down and talk to me. How do you feel about your training here? How do you feel about this? What do you think about this? And I'm like, why do you care about my opinion? And he just made me feel special. And The more we interacted and the more we got to know one another, he coached me and he helped me understand how vitally important it is to get feedback, even if you don't want to hear it. And he said, people are going to want to give you feedback, Lori, because you're nice and they don't want to hurt your feelings. So you have to draw (laughs) it out of them. And and I use that advice. That advice has transformed me because I'm always saying, please tell me what I can do better next time. And when they tell me I want to get defensive, I want to be like, yeah, but... And I've, it's, that's my first reaction. And it's like that reaction helps me realize, okay, there's something valuable here. Just the other day, my daughter told me something that I can do to be a better mom. And I'm like, I'm a great mom. <laughs> What's wrong with you? And that feeling made me realize, Lori, pay attention. She's giving you a gift. And when you thank people for that feedback, it keeps coming. And you're able to, to improve so much more quickly than if you try to figure it out through your blind spots. So having a mentor has had a huge impact on my life. And I know I would not be where I am if it wasn't for having mentors.
0: Nice. Yeah. Now, I know that, I mean, you get so many people asking, how can I do this too, right? Mm-hmm. How are you how are you passing that on?
1: So for me, I did have a lot of people ask me to mentor them. And I remember thinking, like, what are you asking me for? I've only been doing this for a year or two. And week after week, I had people asking me to do this. And so that's I, That's why I put together my mastermind group. And when I first started the mantra, mastermind group, I called it a mentorship program. And I was just planning to do weekly calls where I mentored people in this group setting. And I quickly discovered that the people inside that group, they're such a diverse um, set of expertise. There are people there that know things I could never figure out. There are people like everyone knows you know this goes back to your question about networking and community what i've changed the name of it to the the hammond inner circle mastermind because it's it's not about me it's not the lori hammond show it's not about me mentoring people it it is and i do do that and i i love doing it but it's about bringing together a group of smart like-minded people who are feeding into one another who fully embrace the idea that a rising tide raises all ships. And even though we're all in the same profession, all doing similar things, we're boosting each other up. We're celebrating each other's victories and it is the the key to our success. So I think mentorship is incredibly important. I think even you're, you're always doing it. There's always someone watching you. We learn everything that we have done by modeling someone else. If you you know if you look in the mirror and tell yourself i'm fat you probably heard your mom do that when you were little and all you're doing is is copying her Ouch. and yeah and we're always we're always influencing people and so when you start doing it with intention and you start understanding the value of investing in yourself because other people are watching you and they're going to come up higher if you do it's it's really impactful so i think both having a mentor and acknowledging that you are being a mentor, whether you want to or not, can be really powerful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I just appreciate the the humility and your kids correcting you guys. I know how challenging that can be. Mm-hmm. The hardest place for us was obviously our family learned Spanish and, and my kids were babies. Like, And then they've got me babies correcting my Spanish when they're in oh. elementary school. I'm like, this isn't how this works. <laughs> you know, but I think one yeah. of the things as entrepreneurs, especially as in, in our line of entrepreneurship, um, and helping other people surrendering the right to be right <laughs> happens yeah. happens pretty early on. Yeah. And then I think, you know, being willing to, to ask for critique is, is so powerful, right? Yeah. Because that first of all, asking for critique opens the door to I not mean, your your own heart is open because you're saying I want to get better, right? And 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 saying obviously I'm not the best <laughs> at this, yet. Yeah. I improve and I and I want to get better. So, yeah. so that's those are those are really powerful. So yeah. I guess the last last thing um, I've asked most of my interviewees, I guess that's <laughs> podcast guests, um, about the power of contribution. Um, in their in their I guess for me it's in their abundance journey right in in recognizing the the power of contribution so we sharing your thoughts
1: so here's the, the the word is leaving me but you know you and I talked about the importance of charging what you're worth and the importance of making people exchange Notes of gratitude is what Cliff Ravenscraft calls them. You know, exchange dollars for your service, and at the same time, I think if the only reason you're doing this is for money, and I will tell you, I I intend to. I'm already making an excellent living, and I intend to make such a more excellent living, and I'm I feel okay about that because I know I'm worthy of doing it. But my motivation is not making money. My motivation is that six year old little girl playing Wonder Woman because she knew that she wanted to infuse hope into people and i think when you come when you approach your your work from that place whether you're selling insurance or you know whatever it is that you're doing if you're actually doing it to benefit people and and make their quality of life better you're going to find yourself answering emails for two hours that you know those people may never invest in your program, but you you see something in them that you can feed into and you know that you might be able to say a few words that will make a difference in their life. You do it with, without expectation of, of getting financial gain. I believe that, that it puts something out there into the universe that the universe says, okay, I'm just going to pour it on. I'm just going to pour it on her. And for me, the The idea of contributing, whether it's, you know, the fact that because I make a good living and because I make my own schedule and because I am completely unemployable, you know, my my daughter needed me to go to Florida and move her back home and just take a week off of work. And I was able to do that for her. There are people that that need help in ways that I'm able to help. And that I'm one of my one of my assistants is a single mom who wouldn't be able to make a great living if it wasn't for, I I'm solely I'm her sole source of income and I'm equipping her to raise her two kids. And that's something that I do from it's almost like healing the part of me that was on welfare and was a single mom and couldn't make ends meet. And I never realized when I started this journey, how gratifying it is to help other people with no expectation of, of getting anything out in return. So Yes, contribution is is
0: key. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. Any other any other last minute thoughts or, you know, recommendations of a young entrepreneur sitting across from you? What's your what's your best words of wisdom?
1: Do it before you're ready. You have to the the belief and the readiness comes after the action. If you wait to feel ready, you are going to be an old, old man or an old, old woman and look back and think, if only. If, make decisions from your deathbed. You know, transport 60 years into the future and ask that 100-year-old version of you or, you know, whatever it is. I intend to live to 120, so, um, you know, ask that old woman what she would say about this. Ask that old man what he would say about this. Do it before you're ready and find someone surround yourself with people who are doing it find like-minded people i robert you have had such a positive impact on my forward momentum and i'm so grateful for you i'm so grateful that you know the times that we've sat down at a coffee shop and and have encouraged one another and i've received coaching from you it's just you have skyrocketed my career and so many others like you so cut co- creativity over competition. Do it before you're ready and get a mentor.
0: Nice. Well, thank you so much for for uh, those words of encouragement and know that that's mutual. And I told you, I think it may have been a year and a half ago that I, that I envision that you and I will be speaking from a conference stage at, at the same time and, and building up each other's audiences. And so, I I still believe that, and I absolutely know that uh, that both of our businesses are going to continue influencing people and serving people. Yeah. So thank I you for that, it. and thank yeah. you for joining me. And this has been a great conversation, and I just can't wait to to see where where all of this goes.
1: <sighs> thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you.
0: Thank you for having me.